0: Well, good morning church and merry christmas. Merry Christmas. I'm excited today. I've had coffee. Coffee is back in the in the cafe. Praise God for coffee hallelujah. Uh, Today's a good day. Today's a good day. Merry Christmas. Should be the last Sunday before Christmas. So I'm glad you guys are all here. If you're hanging out with us online, so glad that you would take some time out of your week to be able to be here with us. Hey, question for you as we get rolling today. How many of you know just without uh, without a doubt that control is one of the things that you kind of struggle with. Like you, you, you kind of really like to control things. Like, I, I just want to control some stuff. And now if you're sitting there and you're like, I want to raise my spouse's hand because that's them, then like you may be also a controller. Um, I, I think it's kind of hardwired into the human condition that, that we want to control things, that we want things to be done a certain way. And today we're going to dive into a story where we really see the power of letting go of that control. So if you got a Bible, I'm going to invite you to dive in with me uh, to one of our good old-fashioned Christmas stories. Uh, we're going to see one of our famous Christmas characters and hopefully see a character trait in her life that led to some amazing things that can lead to some amazing things in yours as well. So if you've got a Bible, go to Luke chapter 1. We're going to read through this together. Luke chapter 1. We're going to start in verse 26. Luke chapter one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, chapter one, verse twenty-six. In the sixth month of Elizabeth Man, I can't say Elizabeth. Elizabeth was fuzzy wuzzy. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, "'Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you.'" Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think about what the angel could mean. "'Don't be afraid, Mary,' the angel told her, "'for you have found favor with God. "'You will conceive and you will give birth to a son. "'You will name him Jesus. "'He will be very great "'and will be called the Son of the Most High.'" And Mary asked the angel, "'But how can this happen? "'I'm only a virgin.'" And the angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the most high will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the son of God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything that you have said to me come true. And then the angel left her. Let's pray. Jesus, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your mercy. And here in these moments, we thank you for your word. We pray that it would be true to us today in the same ways that it was true to this girl in her room as she was coming into a relationship with you. One that was gonna require her surrender, one that was gonna require everything to change, one that was gonna require surrender. And I pray now, not for the next four years from now, not for the next month from now, not for this end of the year, but for these next few moments that we, God, as your people gather together under the authority of your word and the presence of the Holy Spirit, that we, God, would be people who would surrender to you to surrender our morning, to surrender what's happened, to surrender all the things that we're going through and everything that's kind of coming up and all the things that are in our mind that we've to how you would speak to us, minister to us, and how you would care for us as your children today. In your name, Jesus, amen. Hey, I wanna show you that passage that we just read in a different version. And I want you to see a few particular words that I want to stand out to you. Luke 138 in the ESV. If you read it that way, it says, and Mary said, Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. And we're gonna have this on the screens. These are the three words I want you to see. Behold, I am the servant of the Lord. Let it be according to your word. And the angel departed from her. Let it be. Can we all just kind of say that this morning, maybe like as a, as a collective exercise in surrender? Let it be. Let it be. I got to go get some more presents because I just was reminded that I don't have enough. And I got to go to Target after church today. Let it be. I'm going to be starving hungry. And the line at La Peria is going to be super long. go across the street and go to the other Mexican restaurant. All right, that's what I would, I don't, you don't even have to let it be. You just let it ride and go across the street. That's what you need to do. That's what I would advise. So let it be. And this let it be from the lips of Mary I believe it changed everything, and I I believe that those simple words for your life today can maybe change things as well, because the reality is for all of us, man, there's definitely scales, and there are some people who we wish would be a little bit more controlling, a little bit more concerned, but when I said at the beginning, hey, uh, raise your hand, if if I would have said, hey, raise your hand if you're a control freak, you probably wouldn't have been like, yeah, that's me. Now, some of you, you own it, and it's like, it's a badge of honor for you, and I don't understand you people, but most of us, we like to define it in a different way. And so we wouldn't say I'm a control freak. We would say I'm aggressively helpful. I'll give people the help they didn't even know they needed. Or you'll just say I'm concerned or I'm very organized. You label it however you want to. But you're the type of person who, man, you wish people would chew differently, drive differently, parent differently. And and do you ever notice that you don't just wish that they would do it differently. You wish that they would do it your way. Which just so happens to be the right way. And so if if 2020 and 2021 has taught me anything, guys, it's taught me that control really is an illusion. Like control really is something that I truly don't have. And you remember in 2020, guys, we couldn't even control toilet paper. Like that was... That was the reality of what we were experiencing. We got home last night and we were in Carrollton doing some Christmas stuff and we got home and I looked in the pantry. It was kind of one of those nights where we're gonna do a little bit of a hodgepodge kind of dinner, everybody kind of fend for themselves. And and I opened the pantry and I just look in and I see this can of of canned collard greens. Now you may eat a lot of collard greens in your household. Uh, We used to eat them around New Year's, but we didn't eat them canned. Um, But there are these canned collard greens in there. And I just asked Jessica, I was like, why do we have collard greens? Like what's going on here? And she's like, I got those when we were going through quarantine and everybody was shut down and there wasn't anything on the shelves. And so we got, we got collard greens. I'm going, really? Wow. So we couldn't even control canned goods. We couldn't control toilet paper. And so I've got collard greens for the next pandemic and lockdown, man. We're, we're ready to go. It was a big can too. See, if 2020 and 2021 showed us anything, it's that you can't control everything and you can't control a whole lot. And the things that you think you've got control over, something could change real quick you don't have control over that either. And it's funny, it's almost like the more you try to be in control, the more you fear losing control, right? It's like, I- I'm trying to be in control. And the more you're trying to do that, what happens is then you start fear losing it. And that fear of losing control is something that you really can't control. And it becomes this kind of vicious cycle. And today I wanna help us try to get off of it. The big thing that I want you to understand right from the get go that I hope leans into your heart and, and speaks into you is that you can't control everything. And that we just kind of let ourselves off from that. That we go, we can't control everything, but you can surrender anything. The kids' grades, I can surrender that. My finances, I can surrender that. My marriage, I can surrender that. My hopes for a future, I can surrender that. What this Christmas will be, with it being the first year without that person that I love in my life? I can surrender that. I can surrender all of those things to God. I can't always control things. And we've become all too aware of that. But you can always surrender things. And sometimes we can look at the Christmas story and specifically Mary. And we can go, oh, what an amazing example of surrendering to God's will for your life. And we can kind of go, but listen, guys, like, isn't that Mary? Like she's got cathedrals after her. And at the end of the day, didn't like an angel show up and tell her that everything was gonna be okay. But what we've got to understand is this angel didn't show up to somebody who had a halo. And sometimes I think we can look at our little nativity scenes and we can see all the characters of the Christmas story. And we can see all of them As characters with halos on. And the reality is, only the baby had a halo. Like, only the baby was in jail. Only the baby was truly from God. Everybody else the cows, the sheep, whatever animals you got in yours, the wise men, which are not there that night, um, despite them being in your nativity scene none of those people have halos. They're all humans. They're all broken people. And what we see in the story as we we look at Mary is this is a teenage girl. This is a teenage girl with hopes, dreams, plans. This is a teenage girl who just got engaged to the man she loved. This is a little, not a little girl. This is a teenage girl, probably somewhere between 14 and 17, maybe a little bit more than that, depending on her family and things that were going on there. But the way they did things was arranged marriage and that's kind of just how they worked. And so that would happen right around that time. And this angel shows up to her and says, hey, you found favor with God. And her mind is blown in these moments where where this is what becomes her story. But she, in that moment, she had plans, she had hopes, she had dreams. And, And again, imagine this, you come and you show up and there's an angel that jumps on the scene and says, hey, listen, you found favor with God and you're about to become pregnant. And she's going, how can this be? I'm a virgin. And the angel goes, the Holy Spirit is gonna come upon you. It's gonna overshadow you. And the next words out of her mouth, I think are the reason that God chose her. The next words out of her mouth is let it be. See, in that moment, she had a choice between her dreams and God's destiny. In that moment, she had a choice between her plans and God's purpose. In that moment, she had a plan between God's call on her life and the control that she could have on it. And you've ran into those crossroads in your life too. Moments where God's destiny for you and your dreams intersected, and you had to choose something. Moments where your plans and God's purpose intersected, and you had to go, Well, I feel like this is God's purpose for my life, and this is God's plan for my life, but I also thought this should have been it. And these are the moments where we fear losing that control. But the interesting thing is, there really is no partial surrender. There's no such thing as coming in. And I've never heard, yeah, I've heard a lot of testimonies in my life. I've never heard somebody stand up and say, yeah, and then that was the day I gave 84.7% of my life to Christ. That was the, that was the day where I, I surrendered 84% of my drug addiction. That was the day where I laid down 85% of the past that I couldn't get over. No, surrender is something that's wholehearted. There's no such thing as partial surrender. And when you see in her life is that was truly what was going on. That's truly what was happening. And what I want us to understand is that for many of us, for many of us, we have hard, hard times with not just surrendering, but surrendering even though we don't have any idea how things are going to turn out. I want you to know this. For a lot of us, we have... um, this fear of letting go. We have a fear of what may happen if we do surrender some things. And I wanna show you today that all of us, whether our desire to control things is really, really, really big, our desire to control things is, is somewhat normal and somewhat manageable. And it's, it's maybe it's in some, certain aspects of our lives and the other aspects of our life, we're like, yeah, leave it or take it, you know, who cares. But I want to, for any of us, to see where that desire to control comes from. I believe that desire to control all of us, it comes from a lack of trust the desire to control your life comes from a lack of trust. we talked about this last week. When when it comes down to what we're called to be as followers of Christ, it's not just I have this understanding of this God who is out there, but it's going, I have this desire and I have this understanding of this God who is out there and I'm going to trust him with my life. So I'm not just a believer, I'm an actual follower of his will and his way for my life. Now, we talked about trust. And trust is the thing that stands in the gap between what we believe and what we do. And last week we made the point, and I make it again, because we see it actually lived out in Mary's life, is that relationships move at the speed of trust. Your relationship with God, her her growing relationship, even with the growing God inside of her womb, it all had to do with trust. I need you to hear this. Your relationship with Jesus does not move at the speed of your tithe. Your relationship with Jesus doesn't move at the speed of your church attendance. Your your relationship with God doesn't move at the speed of your kids' good behavior. Praise God. Pastors, kids, y'all pray for them. Pray, 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 pray. My relationship with God doesn't move at the speed of any of those things. My relationship with God moves at the speed of my trust in him. Because when I trust him, I'm surrendered to what he would do. I'm surrendered to how he wants me to live. And in those moments, as I step out in those moments where it will require trust, that's when my faith actually grows. Now, I don't know about you guys in regards to your ability and your desire to control things. But for me... And I think maybe for those people in the room who you would, you would identify yourself, people watching online, you'd identify yourself as a, as a positive person or my positive, my, 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 my positive people. And again, if you're negative, it's no big deal. It's all good. I guess positive person me be coming out. Um, if you're there, here's one of the most dangerous things about being a, very, a positive person, uh, you know, Mr. Brightside, who also likes control. The more I overestimate my ability to control, the more I underestimate the goodness of God. See, when you're, when you're here in this place and you're overestimating how much you can control, which again, most, po- most very positive people, most people who think they are better than they are, are are it's not as big of a deal as it really is. When you overestimate your ability to control something, what happens then is you're underestimating the goodness of God because your ability to do things and make things happen in your life is really contingent upon you. And that's a scary place to be. It really is. And the people around you may realize it's more scary than you do but it's a dangerous place. And I think the reason we we get into this place is because we believe cultures lie. See, in in our walk, as followers of Christ, you actually have three enemies. You have Satan, you have your flesh, that's still in the process of being redeemed and reformed by Jesus. And then you have this world that we live in and the message that it sends. And the message that our world sends in regards to this idea of control is simply this. If it's going to be, it's up to me. If it's going to happen, I'm going to make it happen. And you hear this come out sometimes when we say, if you want something done right, do it yourself. If I want it, you fill in your blank. We all have them. If it's going to be, it's up to me. If I'm going to make this work, it's up to me. And that's a really dangerous place to be, especially when you're walk with Christ, because what that says, if I'm going to have a good thriving walk with Jesus, it's about how I walk with Jesus not the fact that he's walking with me. And that's, again, we've talked about this a little bit. We have to be very careful because that's tiptoeing on the fine line of idolatry from not worshiping the one we worship, but worshiping how we worship him. That's a a sketchy place to be. And surrendering control takes us to this place where now, if there's anything we overestimate, we overestimate our ability to mess things up. We overestimate our ability to be able to control. We overestimate our ability to be able to get things right. And because we overestimate it in that way, we now go to Jesus and humbly say, Jesus, I can't do this on my own. I need your help. I'm surrendering all of this thing to you because it will not happen if it doesn't happen with and through your help. See, Jesus, he, he spoke his truth into this lie. In Matthew 10, 39, he said these words, love them. He says, if you cling to your life, which again, imagine that person. You know, you just feel I'm white knuckling the control. I think I'm going to will this kid into being the next superstar. I think I'm going to make this relationship happen. I'm going to get this promotion. I'm white knuckle whatever this thing is. Jesus is kind of saying, "Hey, if you're white knuckling whatever that thing is, you're trying to control this marriage, finances, whatever, and it is keeping you up at night. It's it's the thought that you can't get out of your mind." It's the thing that you look around at everybody else's life and you try to see where their thing in that aspect or that area is and you measure whether or not you're doing a good job about if you have more people that you're ahead of or less people that you're behind. He comes on the stage and says, if you try to cling to your life, you will lose it. Like a big bar of soap in the shower, squeeze that bad boy as hard as you want. It's gonna fly out of your hands. He says, you cling to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for me, and I give up your life, that's surrender. That's lay, I'm laying my life down to you, Jesus. I'm, I'm living this life with open hands. I'm surrendering my money. I'm surrendering my future. I'm surrendering my relationships. I'm surrendering my uh, hopes, dreams, future. I'm surrendering all to you. He says, when you do that, when you do that, you will find life. In other words, to fully follow Jesus, is to surrender control. It's to say, let it be. And the kicker for most of us is we thought that that was just going to be like a one-time thing. Like we would be at the church camp or that good, really good service where it was just moving in the spirit. And we had already teared up a little bit. And that, that guy, you know, he read that poem at the end and then they sang, I surrender all. And I did that day and I surrendered all and I got baptized and that was it, man. And I'm good to go. And we get into this false belief that I just had to surrender all once. And then I can just go live my life and Jesus is going to just you know, work on me here and there and just going to shape and mold. And I'm a potter and he's a clay and I'm just spinning and I'm just spinning. I'm just doing things my way. And every now and then he's going to mold some stuff in there. No, it's a daily surrender. And we see this in Mary's life. She had to daily surrender to this new surrendered plan. So in the moment she goes, let it be there in her bedroom. But man, she had to get out of that bedroom. She had to meet this guy. Who she was betrothed to be married to, and she had to kind of explain what was going on inside of her. Hey, I'm pregnant. Now, luckily, the angels kind of done some end around work, and it went and told Joseph because it could have been a whole lot different if you know your 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 wife or your woman you're engaged to shows up, fellows, and goes, "Hey, listen, um, I'm pregnant," and you're going, "No, Uh, 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 let me check. No, that ever happened." Um, and then you know she asked you asked her to explain she goes well what happened was uh, the holy spirit showed up in my room and, and like you're just you're like no you're on drugs that's not what happened i'm going to divorce you and this is this is going to end bad but she had these moments where she had to continue to let it let it be to let it be to let it be she's on a donkey Traveling to Bethlehem, asking Joseph about reservations, and he's going, Oh, we're gonna stay with my relatives. This is my hometown, girl. This is my hometown. I got people, girl. And they get there and they look outside and know they're not married yet. They knock on Joseph's people's door and they see Mary. She's out there. Um, she is with child. And they're like, mm-mm. You stay in my house. I don't want people to be talking about me. I know what y'all got going on. It's out of wedlock, right? And so, you know, put yourself in her mind in this moment. And her conversation, like, put yourself in her prayers. And again, I will use a little bit of a holy, uh, redeemed imagination here. Put yourself in her prayers of going, God, you gave me baby God. Can a sister get a room? Can I get a room? I got God. Can I get a room? Let it be. Let it be. And it goes on from there. They go back to their new hometown. Angels show up to Joseph again. Hey, Joe. There's this guy who wants to kill Jesus. And uh, I need you guys to, I know, I don't know where you were thinking about moving once things got happening. Uh, How's Egypt sound? And so Mary, you know, when, I remember when we first brought our kid home, Jessica like just nesting, like making everything for this environment, for this, for this baby to be there. With this host and plants. this is gonna be the place the baby was gonna be born. And right in the turmoil of bringing a new child home, angels show up and say, how about we move? And she's like, all right, Egypt it is. And they go to Egypt and they come back. And all the while, Mary is continuing in this process, developing this habit of going, God, um, I surrendered to you that night in my bedroom. I said, let it be. And so if it's Egypt, let it be. And then he's 12 years old and they go Passover feast and they're you know, doing their thing. Mary and Joseph, they get talking about plans and they got other kids at this point and this time and everything else in their head and trying to head back from going to Jerusalem and everything else. And they look around and Mary's like, hey man, Joseph, where's... Uh, you got, is Jesus back back there with so-and-so and so-and-so? And Joseph's like, no, I, I thought you, you know where he is? And they all sit down at the family picnic, kind of when the caravan stops, and they're counting their kids. Where's Jesus? <laughs> and they start asking the whole group of people, where's Jesus, where's Jesus, where's Jesus, where's Jesus? And again, uh, imagine Mary halfway to where they were, going, halfway home, now walking back to Jerusalem going, God, he's your kid, um, all the ones that me and Joseph had, we, we kept up with them. Sorry. <laughs> uh, sorry we don't know where he's at. You know, again, get in her prayers. And in this moment, she goes, let it be. And they find him, Jesus, there in the temple, talking with the priest, going, hey, didn't you know I would be in my father's house? Which, again, I bet in that moment, she just whispered under her breath, let it be. Jesus, I don't know how many times he may have heard this growing up, but he said this. We actually have this recorded in God's word. We we see this here in Luke 9, 23. He says to his disciples, these people who he's coming to follow him. He says, whoever wants to be by a disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross, key word here, daily. It's not just a one time, I'm taking up my cross, Jesus. This is my cross to bear, it's yours, I'm moving on. Jesus says, if you wanna be my disciple, like if if you wanna, like if I really am the way, the truth and the life and you believe that is who I am, then what that means is you're gonna have to surrender your life. You're gonna have to take up your cross. What he's saying there is you're gonna have to die to yourself, crucify your flesh. And that's not something that happened once. That's a daily occurrence. He says, this is the habit to end all habits. It's dying to yourself today, tomorrow, the next day and the day after that until I come and make all things new. He says, it's got to be daily, a daily surrender. And we see that Jesus didn't just come and say, hey, you guys need a daily surrender, take up your cross and follow me. He actually lived it out. And there is no more moment where we see Jesus living out this uh, and embodying this powerful display of surrender than the night before he is to go be crucified. He does a Passover feast with his buddies and then he goes out to the garden to pray. Bible says that he goes away from his his friends. He tells them to pray. He leaves them alone. They're all they've been just munching. They had a big old feast, wine, lamb, all that action. They're just full. They got you know, they're out fast. And Jesus is praying. He's praying hard. Bible says he's praying and he's sweating like drops of blood. He, he is agonizing over his prayers. In the same grown man who had potentially heard his mother time and time again say, let it be. And the night that by a miracle he was conceived in her womb, she said, let it be. He finds his way in the garden. And in verse 42 of Luke 22, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me. Yet not my will, but yours be done. Father, let it be. Let it be according to your word. Now, what's fascinating about this is it's you actually take Take away from what, how we interpret the Bible's originally, uh, uh, you know, a lot of the things that were spoken in the Bible were spoken in Aramaic. When Jesus is out there praying, he's praying in Aramaic. Bible was later translated into Greek. That was how the, the, the scrolls and everything were passed down in the Greek language. Then we got the Greek version of the Bible and we took that and translated it into English. Now, what's fascinating here, is the same word that Jesus says there in the garden as he's praying, when he says, let it be, is exactly the same Greek translation as what Mary says when the angel visits her in that room when she says, let it be. From the moment, and again, this is fascinating. A lot of times I always get, I don't know, I have things where I talk about Christmas because it's, it is Christmas for me. And I, and I think about things and, and process through and try to separate what God was doing through the Christmas narrative, through what we do as a culture and all our traditions and snowman and elves on the shelf and all those other types of things. And one of the things I was processing through is this. Okay, if we really take um, the, the biblical, in my opinion, Christm- Christian view of birth and conception, well, then what that means is if we believe life starts at conception, Then, as far as on earth things are concerned, the night Jesus was born was this night in this teenage girl's room. Not nine months from then in a manger in Bethlehem. And what's fascinating to think about is on the night that he was born in her womb, his mother is saying, Let it be. And then the night before he goes to give his life for you and me so that we can all be reborn and bought into the family of God. He is saying the very same words, let it be according to your will. See, there is so much power wrapped in surrender. That is where the power is. So much power that in the message that God would send to his people, he bookends the story of the savior's life with let it be according to your will and let it be according to your will. And from there, we see Jesus not just say, let it be according to your will, but we see Jesus actually go to the very cross. We see Jesus in his last words on the cross say, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. Other passages translate that. Into your hands, I surrender my spirit. And he takes this surrender to its ultimate culmination and gives his life there on the cross. And see, our misunderstanding of what surrender is can make surrender very complicated for us. Because I think a lot of us, when we talk about surrender and we talk about these things, we think surrender starts with us giving up something, but surrender really starts with us receiving someone. Jesus, I receive what you did through your surrendered life. If you had not surrendered as God in flesh and given your life for me, then there's no way that I could be here and experience what I truly am called to be in you through my surrender. Let me ask you a question. It's a big question. Hopefully this one doesn't scare you off. But it's this, what is it that you're trying to control that God wants you to surrender? What is it you're trying to control that God wants you to surrender? How long have you been holding on to that? What is it? Who, and it maybe a who too, don't, don't, don't put, the, put all that in the category. Who, what job, what person, what relationship, what resources, what hope, what dream? What is it that you're trying to control that God wants you to surrender? And I ask you that question, because I believe this to be true and I want you to write this down, I want you to get this in your mind, take a picture of the screen if you need to. God can do more through your surrender than you can do through your control. And the lie that we believe is that if I hold on to it, I can control the circumstances, I can make this better. But God's up in heaven and he's here in this room and he's watching with you online. He's going, trust me, I can do more through your surrender than you can do with your control. And if there's ever a story that proves that point, it's a Christmas story. That it was through surrender that God could make a poor, terrified virgin teen, the mother of mankind's savior. That through surrender, God, even then, as the story continues on in Jesus' life, he could take a greedy tax collector named Zacchaeus And he'd become the poster boy for generosity. That through surrender, God could take a frightened failure of a man named Simon and give him the power to become the courageous leader named Peter. That through surrender, God could take a man who was doing the most to stop the church named Saul and then turn him into the man who was doing the most to spread the church named Paul. And the question is, if that's what surrender to the Savior can do for them, what can surrender to the Savior do for you? Could you be one who, when you begin to tell your story, could say, through surrender, God gave this alcoholic the power to be sober. Through surrender, God gave this sect addict, whether that's to individuals in person or to images online, the power to be pure. Through surrender, God gave this negative and constantly critical person the power to see and to say the positive. Through surrender, God gave this man, addicted to approval, the security to be known that he truly has the approval from God. Through surrender, God gave this workaholic the power to pause prioritize and to see that work work was taking more than it was giving what could god do through your surrender i have had the honor it's not a fun honor but it's an honor nonetheless uh, to be a part of at or do a lot of funerals in this season and one of the life realities and principles that i have through the Holy Spirit, I believe, discovered in this, and it ties right into surrender, is that what you are surrendered to determines how people remember you. And and I wanna be I wanna be able to be at my funeral and, and I want you to be able to be at your funeral and not have people lie about you. And most of the time when people come up to me and they say, hey, good job, man. You did a great job preaching at funeral. I, I, I will say something like, it's really easy when you don't have to lie. Because this principle is true. And when people remember you, whenever, whenever you're gone, the thing that they will remember about you is all tied to who you surrendered to. Mama's in the room. Man, when, you're, when your babies, are, when, when, when they're in the front row at your funeral, would it be said of them, when they remember, when they, the things that they remember most of you, that they go, I know my mama was surrendered to Jesus. I, I could tell by what she did in the morning. I could tell how she parented us. I could tell by what she gave to, how she spent her life, the, the middle years of her life, the late years of her life, all the years of her life. I could tell by how the, the grandmama she was. I could tell that she was surrendered to Jesus. Father's in the room. Man. They have no doubt in their mind that you're surrendered to your job. They have no doubt in your mind that you're surrendered to being a great bulldog Braves fan. They have no doubt in their mind that you're surrendered to helping them become a great athlete. They have no doubt in your mind that you're surrendered to providing a great environment for them to have everything they need. But do they know that you're surrendered to Jesus? Do they know that? At the end of your life will they remember you as a man of God who was surrendered to God? Will they remember you as a man who looked at himself just as a child? Not some bold, brave, had it all together, had all the answers, but someone who fully embraced that they were a child of God in need of the love of a father God. Will they remember you like that? Will they remember you as a man or a woman surrendered to something else? So my hope, in the same way that we look back at Mary's life, and we remember her as someone who has surrendered to this crazy, miraculous, salvation, scandalous story that is our redemption story. The same way we look back at her life and we remember her as that, that you would be remembered as somebody like that as well. And my prayer is that through surrender, you would be remembered in a way that you'd be proud of. That you know that God has a plan for you. As we receive communion today, My prayer is that you see through that poured out cup, representing the blood of Jesus poured out for you. And through that wafer on top that represents the body of Christ that was broken for you, that you fully understand, that you fully come to this place where you realize that God is moving, that God is here, that God is active and he is not done yet. And you wrestle, you you work through, you process through Jesus, what am I holding on to that you need me to surrender to you? and you take, not the cross this time, you take the empty grave and humbly say something like this, Jesus, if you could come out of the grave, then you can control this, amen. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word and how truthful, how powerful, how life-changing and altering it is. And Jesus, I pray that today, my friends in this room, understand what is on the line if they hold on to the thing that they're holding on to. And I pray, Jesus, maybe you just give them a glimpse of what they have in store if they were surrendered to you. You are a God who always has more in store for those who are surrendering to you. The whole reason that Jesus is the name above all names, that, that all tongues will confess, the reason that all knees will bow before him is because he fully surrendered, went to the lowest low so that you would exalt him to the highest high so that when we, Jesus, all stand at the end of our lives, we will not give account for how much money we had, how many people liked me, or how well we voted, or how much of uh, we thought about the right things, but we will give account to what we did because of what we believed about Jesus. Jesus, I pray that we surrender to what he has and what you have for us.